Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of prophecies, and by that I'm talking about the charismatic gift of prophecy that St. Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5. By the way, this is our last episode in 1 Thessalonians. Next week, get ready for 2 Thessalonians. It's only three chapters, but there's some very important topics in there. So you might try to read those three chapters. But back to prophecy in 1 Thessalonians, St. Paul encourages it. He says, don't despise it, even though you're going to get some false ones every now and then. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. You need prophecy. Cardinal Ratzinger, shortly before he was elected to the papacy as Benedict XVI, said this, through charisms, God reserves for himself the right to intervene directly in the church to awaken it, warn it, promote it, and sanctify it. I believe that this prophetic charismatic history transverses the whole time of the church. It is always there, especially at the most critical times of transition. Now, I am aware that there may be some Protestant friends listening, as well as many Catholics who have been told or maybe even believe that that gift of prophecy that St. Paul talked about is long gone. That died out with the first century apostles, and we're no more to expect it today. Well, I mean, you can hold that position. I'm just letting you know one of the greatest leaders in all of Christianity for the 20th and 21st centuries, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, he disagrees with you, and so do I. And I'm going to try to share to you why that is, why prophecies are so important. I'd like to go back to one of the biggest transitions in the history of mankind. Remember, Cardinal Ratzinger says prophecy is always needed, it's always there, but especially at the most critical times of transition. Now, I'll just let it out of the bag. I believe that we're at a time of transition in our country, in our culture, in our church, and throughout the world. We're in a time of transition, but let's go back to a key moment of transition in the history of mankind. I'm going to take you back to the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. Now, in the church at Antioch, not too far from all the trouble going on in Syria today, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, this is a prophecy that came, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That's the prophecy. Set apart Barnabas and Saul for a special work. And then the next verse says, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What was the importance of that prophecy? Well, the church was fasting and praying, responsive to genuine prophecy, followed it up with more prayer and fasting, and sent them off. The result was that the world was forever changed by the Christian faith 
as a result of the first of three missionary journeys of St. Paul. This is how it all began with a prophecy in the church of Antioch. And the world has never been the same as a result of this prophecy. Now, I reflect on an invitation that I received, and I can't remember actually if I was invited (laughs) or not. I can't even remember the topic because I didn't go. I am not one for bureaucratic planning of spiritual events. It's just not my personal religious DNA. But in any case, there was some Catholic planning session. It was either for men's ministry or perhaps helping men get off the pornography or whatever. But there was a $100,000 budget for a group of Catholics to fly in to a luxury hotel um, a couple of times over a course of a 12 to 24 month period and then write a paper. And I've often wondered, what would the fruits be of taking all that money from a luxury hotel or a fancy hotel, and I'm sure there were big meals, and instead directed that by some spiritual sensitivity, prayer, maybe some fasting with it, and maybe even a prophecy, as Pope Benedict says, the church needs it, moments of transition. Or what if even 10% of that, rather than writing a paper, and I don't, as I tell you, I don't even know what came out of that $100,000 in the meetings at the Luxury Hotel, but, you know, this is a business model. This is the way corporations may do this type of thing, but number one, the church isn't a business, and number two, if the church was a business, it would be broke because businesses can't afford to spend $100,000 and not have at least $100,000 worth of results from it. And so we're, we're kind of putting our planning, and I realize this is stepping on a few toes, but every now and then we need to step on our own toes. That's what prophecy is for, by the way. What if we instead directed our thoughts to some prayer and fasting, maybe in a very humble location, recognizing that we are not particularly capable of pulling off something like St. Paul did in the book of Acts. We need to be directed by the Holy Spirit, maybe in areas we just don't even have a picture of. I heard recently an interview by Al Cresta with a uh, parish priest, Father Graham Keep from Ontario, and it was the most refreshing interview I have heard in a long time. Father Graham was basically saying we need to be willing to change our programs, our plans, our we've always done it that way, and really revert to being directed by the Holy Spirit because what we are doing right now, we're losing people. We're losing the active uh, Christian vitality. We're losing our young people. And rather than simply planning in a corporate structure at a fancy hotel and flying everybody in, uh, prayer and fasting, uh, maybe even being open to a prophecy. And I'm not saying everything has to be directed by a prophecy, but an openness to being directed by God. Uh, What would happen? Well, we know from Acts 13 what happened. 
Now, there's another aspect of prophecy that I want to cover in just our last few minutes, and that is, at times, prophecies need to be filtered to be successful. And let me explain. In Acts chapter 21, while St. Paul was uh, with a group of believers, a prophet named Agabus, this is Acts 21.10, came and he took Paul's girdle or belt, bound it around his own feet and hands and says, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is, this is a prophecy, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this girdle and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, this was an absolutely true prophecy, okay? They're saying, if Paul, if you go back to Judea, if you go back to Jerusalem as you're planning, you're going to be arrested and you're going to be bound. Uh, You're going to be a prisoner. Now, if you look carefully, uh, as the Bible in the New Testament does, it has a quotation marks after that prophecy ending the quote. But the reaction was, when we heard this, we the people there begged St. Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, this is where prophecies need to be filtered at times, that you can get a genuine prophecy, but your preconceptions, your worldview, your expectations, maybe even your not-so-perfect theology would create an erroneous response to a genuine prophecy. I mean, who would want St. Paul arrested and thrown in jail? He's the guy who's changing the world, the Roman Empire. We don't want to see him go to jail. So St. Paul, though, responded to them. He says, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. They were all upset as a result of this prophecy, crying, begging him not to go. He says, I'm not only ready to be imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Hmm. You see, the A part, which was the prophecy, was true. That was God's will. Paul, go to Jerusalem and be arrested. The B part, you think, what are you doing? We can't lose Paul. He's God's key man in the entire Roman Empire. But he does go to Jerusalem. And he was arrested. And he ended up eventually being taken to Rome. Now, one of the things that came of that were epistles of Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. We wouldn't have those books of the Bible because they were written from jail, okay? And this is what Paul says, writing from jail, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole praetorian guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. St. Paul was imprisoned in Caesar's household. He was chained to praetorian guards, the guards guarding Caesar, and people were coming, according to Acts 28.30, for two whole years, coming here, Paul, day and night, talking and preaching about the kingdom of God. Well, the guards had more preaching than you and I have heard in our whole lifetimes. The guards had wives, and their wives talked to Caesar's wives and senators' wives. And then we read at the end of Philippians chapter 4, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. 
All this would be like a prophecy. Scott Hahn, if you do that conference in New York, the feds are going to come and arrest you and throw you in jail. And everybody's weeping and crying, Scott, don't go. Don't go to that conference in New York. And Scott goes to New York and he's arrested and he's uh, imprisoned in the West Wing. And every day, members of the presidential family and the cabinet are coming for Scott Hahn's Bible studies. You see how prophecy at moments of transition can do things we don't expect. It's not the type of things we would fly into a fancy hotel and write papers about in planning sessions. No, this is being directed by the Holy Spirit at times of transition to change the world, to change the whole world. And again, at the end of Acts 28, we read about that prisoner directed by God's word in a prophecy to surrender himself to imprisonment in jail and Acts 28.30, St. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ in the capital of the Roman Empire quite openly and unhindered. I think we need to follow St. Paul's advice. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Yes, test it and even filter it if we need to, but hold fast what's good. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 21 of Luke 21 Radio. Next time, we go to 2 Thessalonians. It's only three chapters. Read up and join me next time. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.